Oh, well, I was sitting there watching the game thinking this is magnificent. I started recording my other show, Team 33, as Celtic find themselves 2-0 up in Seville. Then I had to bite my tongue as Celtic conceded goal one, goal two, goal three, and goal four as they went on to lose 4-3 against Real Betis in the opening game of the Europa League. Welcome along to the Huddle Breakdown. We're looking at the Europa League this week. Alan Morrison, Celtic by Numbers, hello. Hi. Hi, Andy. You're right. I'm not too bad. Juco James, how are you? Hanging in there. Good to see you guys. Yeah, it's it, it seems like it's been more than a week. I don't know if it has been more than a week, but I don't know what's going on with time at the minute. But Celtic have lost their opening game of the Europa League. We were going into this this group stage knowing that Frank Varos were probably the most winnable game. Real Betters I would have had second and Bayern Leverkusen I have as the most difficult game in the group stages. 4-3 it ended up. Albion Ejeti opened the, the scoring. Joseph Juranovic, interesting that he was the man who took the penalty for Celtic. He doubled the lead before four uh, goals from Real Betis to make it 4-2. And then Tony Ralston with the third goal, sort of consolation in the way. Let's start with something that was interesting about the game because we all knew how light Celtic were going into the game last night against Betis. We were missing Cal McGregor. We were missing Kyogo, missing several other players. So I want to start with the people who came in and their sort of performance, how you thought they got on. So we'll start with Ismail Asaro in Cal McGregor's position. Now, there was word that James McCarthy potentially might have had COVID over the last couple of weeks. I can't confirm whether that's true or not, but uh, apparently Packy Boner let it slip on the uh, coverage of the game last night that he's been out for the last 14 days. So it was Ismail Asaro that got the nod. He was booked after eight minutes. And immediately I thought, oh no, this is uh, this is where it, it all uh, starts to unfold. James, do you want to start off with uh, Sorrow's performance, what you made of it and what um, what his data was saying? Yeah, so he's lucky he didn't get sent off. That's the first thing. <laughs> um, very easily could have. Um, I, I, I think that the th- there's, um, you know, kind of choose your own risk profile between Soro and McCarthy. So Soro is going to give you that youthful athleticism. He's going to cover ground. Um, but as we've seen consistently now against, you know, it's not a huge sample size, but against better quality competition, uh, you know, his, his first derby, for example, he was a, be- a bit rash at times um, on, on January 2nd. So, you know, he he, he just can miss time tackles. He, he maybe isn't um, the most... Um, you know, wise and when he deploys his, his tackling, but he was very good. And when he did, meaning that he, I think he won most of his, by far, most of his challenges when he did engage, um, but came along with some of the fouls. And that, that's obviously a huge risk. I mean, if you have a player at that level, that's potentially going to put you a man down, then that's, that's a big problem. And I, you know, I, I thought he was very lucky um, not to get the second yellow um, when he, push the guy down from behind uh so you know the flip side of that is mccarthy's not going to give you that athleticism he's not going to give you the same amount of ground coverage um you know he could he very easily could have gotten a yellow later in the game when he's just barely missed stomping on a guy diving in um so you know i i think it's more so neither of them are mcgregor neither of them are going to give anything near what McGregor does, not that McGregor is the perfect player, but from a profile perspective, it really is an apples and oranges kind of thing. Um, and I, I don't really have a strong bias or view between Soro and McCarthy. I think 
Um, you know, I think your points with, with the news that he probably had COVID seems like a pretty reliable source given the, and I, I doubt Packy Bonner would lie that he did, had those conversations. So probably pretty reliable. Mm-hmm. Um, but that introduces the other issues, which is, you know, even if McCarthy's a starter, then that pushes McGregor to an eight. And then, you know, is that an athletic enough midfield either, <laughs> given the kind of uh, opposition that we're going to be facing? So, um, so yeah, I, I think it was, it, it probably, you know, he didn't follow some runs in the box. A lot of our guys were culpable in different ways for the different goals. Um, so, you know, it just, it looks like a team that's not very good defensively right now. And, you know, there's a lot of reasons for that. Some of it's new, new guys coming in, learning the system, whether they fit the system. You know, there's a lot of different questions, but the reality is we're just not a very good defensive team at that level at this point. Yeah. We might come back to the defense because it was the second time that those four players have lined up in the center back. So that's uh, one way to, you can look at the defense, but we'll come back to it. Uh, Alan, do you want to touch on Sorrow or do you want to move on to Jetty or even uh, Adam Montgomery playing left wing for Celtic for the first time last night? Yeah, I just think with Sorrow, I, I don't, I, I, my view based on little bits of information and just my own reading is I suspect Sorrow's future at Celtic is probably not going to be a long one under Postacoglu, right? So this is a player I don't believe is probably trusted to play but he had to play because there literally was nobody else. And, you know, McCarthy wasn't deemed fit enough. I think both Ralston and he had COVID uh, over the international break. And so what, what I saw from Sorrow, which wasn't particularly evident when he broke into the team last year, was a sort of certain nervousness and skittishness, which uh, was in his play, which happens if you're a player that feels under pressure, because maybe you think the manager doesn't rate you that much and, you're probably kind of trying not to make a mistake. And then, of course, that, that, that means you do make mistakes. There was just a couple of odd moments. You know, one time when he got a ball from a throw and he, and he literally just thrashed it out of play, which is like really weird. Um, he, 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 I thought his head had gone completely uh, shortly after the yellow card when he got into an altercation with their players. He brought the guy down from behind and he just looked to have completely lost the place as far as his, his, his cold composure had seemed to have gone and and of course those things are hugely important and they massively um, disguise the fact that you know and I've only just started to capture the data from the game but you know he won a number of really good tackles he won with the possession back at least three times in the opening half an hour he, he won clean possession back um, the other thing I would say with the sorrow is that again I've and I've only just started to literally watch the game back is just how much space he was having to cover it was just extraordinary. And then you have to kind of give him a bit of leeway in that regard. And this is the consequence of playing two number 10s as number eights, who looked fantastic when they had the ball. And we all remember Turnbull's through ball to Jota, the, the, the pieces of incredible control from Rogic, including the build-up to the penalty, just astonishing pieces of skill. And what we don't see are the things that don't happen, which are the nasty bits, the horrible bits, the tracking back, the tracking runners. And the wider the wider piece here that I'm trying to make is so, there's a there's there's a there's a there's a nice little shot that I had to freeze my frame as I was watching it just before they scored the first goal, where both both Rogic and Turnbull are pressing the Betis defence with a Yeti, and you're sort of thinking that's your central midfield, 
So how much ground is Sorrow having to cover? Now, the fullbacks, to be fair, the wingers, sorry, to be fair, had kind of tucked around, but still, that structurally doesn't look good at all. Um, and, you know, I don't think it mattered a huge amount in the end because they played that many long balls. They were looking to, as we've talked about before, exploit the, the space between the quite high Celtic line and the quite deep Joe Hart. And they, and they just they played a lot of very direct passes, not even not even caring whether someone was offside or, you know, just balls you wouldn't expect at a professional level because they had no sort not even looking to win a flick. They were just looking to catch Celtic for a fraction, which is exactly what happened when Iglesias, you know, broke the offside trap. Uh, that only took that one that once, that once and that's a goal, right? At that level, that's what happens. So I think to come back to Sorrow, he was having to cover an enormous amount of ground. I think he put himself under huge pressure. I think he was already under pressure and it was a very skittish and nervous performance. Um, I don't think he's seen as the long-term answer, but it's yet another area where Celtic have got tremendous um, squad management issues in terms yeah. of you know where we go. Yeah, it brings me back to your article from last week or the week before where you rated the different uh, levels of, of risk with, with each position, and it was... Was it amber, green, and red? There wasn't much um, green. There was, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it was it was pretty pretty much just amber and red of how bad it, it yeah. could potentially be. And immediately, about a week later, the two red positions are gone. Cal McGregor's out injured. Uh, Greg Taylor, I know that was a a left back position that was highlighted as well. He was gone, and Kyogo got injured on international duty. And suddenly, you're playing Albin Ajeti, who is technically really the third choice striker, you would say, because. Jake Makos was brought in for a reason. And yeah, you're playing Sorrow, who's the third choice after James McCarthy, because, you know, James McCarthy can't play. And suddenly you just don't have that much on the bench and you need depth at this level. But it's just a worrying sign for me because you can't get any more depth now. This is where we're at. This is what we're working with. This is what happens when risks become issues. Exactly. And and, and and guess what? More than one manifests itself at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You've actually got three, and that, that compounds other other weaknesses. Mm-hmm. So now suddenly you don't have a Croatian World Cup standard left right back because he's on the he's playing left back. You know, you can't make changes in a game in twenty eight degree heat where, where the players are playing a high intensity pressing game. These things compound. And then, and actually, you know, if, if more than one happens, there are further um, compounding risks that, that manifest as, as major issues. And we saw that last night. Before we get into the defense and get into the nitty gritty things, I do want to talk about Jota because this was a real big test for him as the probably the main man up front. If, if you're looking across that wing of Montgomery, Ayeti and, and Jota. And I, I thought he was incredibly impressive, at least in the first half. He was really good on the ball, made good decisions when it came to his final calls and just looked really dangerous for a player who, you know, really hasn't played all that much football over the last six or seven months. How did he perform in the numbers sense, James, do you know? Yeah, uh, I actually included him in my uh, kind of good feature of my postgame thread. Um, so he, he was pretty productive. Um and, and I think, you know, I think what Alan will find when he does his um, pack passing and his impact score is he was pretty decent in getting in space, um, you know, on the on the receiving end of some of those. Uh, he even dropped some and had a decent number 
himself uh, progressing the ball forward, made a lot of runs. He was reasonably successful taking on defenders with the dribble. Um, I think the one area where he's probably going to have to continue to get better is on the decision-making side. So he looks um, to still could use some improvement there as far as deciding when to shoot versus, you know, kind of continue on possession to try to get a, uh, a better chance created. But yeah, I, I thought, you know, again, he, he's, um, he's a higher level player. I mean, that's why his option to buy, I think's what, six or 7 million. Um, so I think his talent level shows in that regard. You can definitely see the ability, the, the speed, the, the technical um, skill level. So yeah, I, I thought he looked, very much in place uh, at that level. He, he didn't stick out in a negative way for, for me. And I thought, again, given the circumstances that you describe, and we have we have all of these circumstances, like Alan said, on the wrist side, but also guys that haven't played that much, you know, Vic Carter Vickers, and, you know, let alone them not playing together. But then uh, some of these guys have not played all that much, just generally in, in recent months, uh, let alone in the heat playing this kind of system that they've probably never played before. I mean, I, that's what I put in my thread. I mean, I, I think it was a really good performance given all of these factors. Um, I mean, it's really unfortunate that we ended up losing the game and, you know, particularly after having been up to nil, but uh, when you kind of step back and consider all of these factors, you know, and Joda, I think was a, uh, a manifestation of that. I mean, that given the circumstances, I thought he was really good. Mm. Yeah, I, I do think this further compounds my belief in how good Ange Postacoglu is as a manager. If you just sit, stand back and consider what he has had to deal with over the last three months alone, and now with Don Mackay out the door, what's what must be going on behind the background that we're not seeing? Injuries, basically working off a team sheet of like, you know, two players in each position if you're being optimistic about it, one player if you're being pessimistic about it. And somehow Celtic went out and dominated Real Betis for the first at least 25, 30 minutes. They were by far and away the better team. And even just the the broader stats in terms of possession, shots, shots on goal, those type of things, Celtic definitely didn't come away from that game embarrassed despite conceding four goals. I think it was just really basic mistakes from a defense that I, you know, I, we, we spoke about the defense potential of um, Ralston, Welsh, Beton and Greg Taylor. I mean, this is a brand new defense of four players who have been playing in four different leagues in the last four years who have never played together before. These mistakes are going to happen and they're going to happen more often than not. If their second game is against a Europa league opposition, that's just how it works. Well, they're going to happen when you're screened by the likes of Soro and then two number eights who don't offer you much in the defensive side. Now, and to back that up, if you think, you know, I have this defensive action success rate metric, which is an aggregated view of how, how many challenges and interceptions you win. You know, so it's nothing to do with passing. It's just defensive actions. And um, Brown would, as a, as a let's call it an old-fashioned classic number six, kind of dis- destructive number six, would be average. Would be somewhere between 52-55% in his defensive action success rate. Uh, now we've got McGregor, who's actually a respectable 47. 
Sorrow's actually only 44, but Sorrow wins the possession back more. So McGregor might win a challenge, but it's an untidy challenge. He doesn't actually win the ball back. Sorrow's good at winning a challenge and winning the ball back. That's that's the difference. We have to look at the, the two things. But if you then come to um, Turnbull and uh, Rogic, uh, Turnbull's defensive action, action success rate is 30%, and Rogic is, is um, 16%, which is essentially the same as a, a traditional striker. So you're just not getting you're not. That's why when people say, "Well, why didn't we sit back and and, and absorb the pressure?" When you're relying on players like Rogic and Turnbull to be the ones that are cutting out the little clever passes that teams like Batiste will play between the lines, the, 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 there's going to be moments when they're just not switched on. They're just not mm-hmm. going to be positioned correctly. They just don't have that anticipation in a defensive setting. You, you've you've got uh, mid, midfield eights there that you can only really attack with. That's the only way you can play. So you know the defense will get criticism again, but really there's not there's not sufficient coverage there because again you know the squad isn't balanced to match the way that the the manager wants to play. But to to your point that you made, Ender, in terms of the get that game, you know Celtic sixty forty on possession, expected goals was even, total shots was even. You know Celtic's pass accuracy was probably better. They went long a lot. To be fair, um, you know shots seventeen to sixteen. Um, you know, all you go through the game and you go through all the stats that you'd look at for the game, and you'd say that's that's a pretty even game. Mm. And for 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 Postecoglou to put aside with the, with the you know the stresses that we have in the squad, um, and, and to be able to put in that performance under those physical conditions as well as the conditions that the the squad are in, I, th- I think is is laudable. And I, I, I don't think we should be dis- disheartened about it at all. No, I don't think no. so either. The, the one the one context I'll add is um, when I looked at relooked at the game this morning, um, I think there's a plausible narrative as to the um, sequence of play, shall we say, or as the as we geeks like to say, game state. Um, so I think I think it's plausible and reasonable to think that they underestimated us, given the state of where we're at, um, and our availability in the squad. And I think that was reflected in who they selected. Um, I mean, they played a 40 year old right winger. I mean, he was a good player in his day, but he's 40 year old, 40 years old and a right winger. And he's, you know, he's a substitute basically for them, an impact sub. Um, Bravo hasn't played for them this season yet. He started their left wing plays kind of striker and left wing, but he doesn't play all that much. And one of their two main midfielders didn't start either um, in their pivot role. So, you know, they definitely didn't come at us with their A team or their, you know, their top starting 11. And I, so I think they, it's reasonable to uh, think that they maybe underestimated us a little bit. And to their detriment, we cold cocked them in that first half hour. And then they seemed to kind of dial it up a notch and they scored four goals in like 20 minutes. And then if you look at all of the game data from the point of which they scored the fourth goal, they went into cruise control. You know, their their pressing dr- collapsed. Pos- our possession shot through the roof. They kind of just moved back and sat back and really, you know, didn't do all that much or try. I think they had one shot for the remainder of the game of, of any consequence. So I, I, I think that's important context to all of this, um, which is, you know, we absolutely deserve the team deserves credit for playing and performing that way. But I think, I think to extrapolate what happened yesterday into the fact that we're going to um, 
you know, destroy them when they come to Celtic Park. <laughs> uh, you know, they have a couple of high profile signings that haven't even really been incorporated into their side yet. And, you know, they have a lot of room to change that starting 11 to get better um, and maybe take us more seriously from the start. Now, we'll be stronger, too, hopefully. Um, so it'll be a totally different dynamic. So I don't think you can extrapolate a lot from yesterday into what might happen in the return leg uh, as a result of all of these kind of weird factors. Mm. No, I'd, I'd agree with all that. I'd agree with all that. That's fair, absolutely fair in terms of you looking at the overall, you know, some of the some of the possession stats for Celtic would have been bumped up in that last 20 minutes and, and they, they definitely dialed it, dialed it in. I think we play them in the last game of the group. We've got, got to hope that they probably... Yeah. Have beaten everybody else by then, <laughs> and, uh, and they come back to Celtic Park with a with another kind of weakened team. Yeah, I think yeah. it's December by the time we play them again. Mm. Um, well, if Neil Lennon's uh, estimation of how much the fans made an impact on last season, then you know it could it could be a handy enough win for Celtic at Celtic Park next year. This, well, and uh, that, that, that goes back. I'm sorry, real quick, Andrew. That goes back to what um, I think the reality of what this is going to mean, I mean, all of these structural issues that Alan and I have been talking about relative to the defense, the spacing, you know, maybe some misshapen pieces in the Jenga tower um, is we're going to attack. And these games are going to be um, hair raising, exciting. And if we have some luck, we can beat anybody with that kind of game. I mean, if, if we, you know, a couple of Turnbull's long range shots go in, you know, those kind of dynamics that in one game can easily occur. Um, but the flip side of that is that we're giving up enough chances to quality teams that if a team like Bettis um, comes in fully equipped and fully motivated and decides that they want to hang six or seven goals against the team and have some luck that goes on top of that we run that risk too, meaning that, yeah. you know, we're giving up enough quality chances when teams of that level are dialed in that, you know, it's, it's a, goes one way or the other. I mean, we're going to get some wild swings here potentially where we might beat Leverkusen at home and lose like six, one to Leverkusen in Germany. I mean, that's the kind of swings that I could reasonably see um, because of just how much, is going on, how much attacking that's going on in both directions. I mean, these are really wild games in that, in that regard. And they're fun to watch as long as, you know, <laughs> you win, <laughs> as long as you win, or at least it's competitive. This is so. uh this is Ange ball really. So that's, that's what you're, you're well, well, well it. it is. And it isn't again, I, I know what you're saying, but I, I don't, you know, I don't, do you think he wants to be giving up nearly three XG? You know, he doesn't, he doesn't want to, does no, he want course, to be playing sorrow? He doesn't, yeah. does he want to having an open midfield like that? Does he want to have fullbacks that aren't actually, <laughs> you know, one, one who's doing his best and the other one who isn't a left back? He doesn't, he doesn't want any of those things. So I think, you know, we have to kind of, I, I don't want to hang that one on him uh, in terms of, you know, there was lots of comments I saw about, oh, why didn't we just close the game down? Why didn't we manage the game better and all those sort of things? And exactly for the reasons that I said, that would have been absolute suicide to try to do that last night. Yeah, you see, he, he actually has to attack because it's the only way to get the best out of the players that we've got. Yeah, we we also don't have the players to close down a game like that. Like we don't, no. we, we're not, we don't have the, we didn't have the players on the pitch to be a possession based team. I mean, even even if you look at the Champions League, the young boys game against Manchester United. When United went down to 10 men, they parked the bus. They didn't have a single player on the pitch that could control the pace of the game. And they lost the game to a team that have only won three games in the Champions League ever. Like That's that's just what happens. If you don't have the players to do it, you just can't do it. And this is the huddle breakdown. If you're listening on Spotify, be sure to uh, subscribe to the 
to the podcast network and you can subscribe on the YouTube as well. There's a few comments coming in. Thanks to Grafting Diamond, who left a super like, as well as Marco, who left one earlier on. Uh, Ron, Grafting Diamond, I'll actually ta- get to his comment. He says that uh, if you could clone one player from the current squad, who would it be? For me, it would be Cal Mack, so we could use him as a six and as an eight. I would probably <laughs> agree. I, I'd clone Cal Mack a couple of times, maybe, potentially. Maybe make a, right, a right-footed Cal McGregor, just you know, <laughs> because of my left-footed... Uh, Bias according, according to the last podcast. Uh, there is a, a comment that came in on Twitter beforehand from Boys Analytics from Ross. He was asking about our left back situation. He he asked, uh, who is our best left sided centre back? And if uh, you guys would give Scales a run in that role, given it's his natural side, and he's also a tall and physical uh, left back as well, if we wanted to use him on that, that side. So, yeah, the, the issue between the centre-backs has been one that's been coming up over the last couple of weeks with Starfelt. You highlighted, Alan, about him switching from right to left, depending on how much we want to protect him from the, the opposition. It was Carter Vickers and Starfelt last night. Is it time to change that up a little bit? Is it time to maybe try out Welsh and Carter Vickers or or give Scales a run? Like the game against Livingston, for example, this weekend, is that not the perfect opportunity to see if Liam Scales is up to the level he's needed? So I think adding more yet more change and variance, I don't think is yeah. the way to go. So of all the positions on the field in terms of, you know, because I mean, like, for example, look at Jota, right? I mean, Jota was one of the things that I really loved about him in the two games I've seen is how hungry he is for the ball. And he actually get he actually got on the ball a tremendous amount for a winger. So, for example, you know, where, whereas... Um, you know, Forrest might get 30 passes in the game, 20, 25. Jota was like 55 against Ross County. But he was knackered at the end of the game. And he, and these are the sort of players you want to kind of take off. I mean, he, Jota shouldn't have been on the pitch at the end last night. He couldn't cover He couldn't defend. Never mind get forward. But centre-backs are different. So centre-backs, you know, generally don't have to do as much running. They'll cover less ground. So I would have thought at the moment, Postacoglu wants to create a little island of certainty and stability in the side. And I wouldn't see Hart, Starfelt and... Um, Carter Vickers being swapped out too much in the coming weeks if it means building that understanding, at least having some stability in the team given the absolute carnage that's going on around on every other part of the pitch. So, my, my, so you know, would would could Liam Scales do a job in that in that regard? I have no idea. I've never seen Liam Scales play in my life, so I have no idea. Chucking him in even at home to Wraith Rovers in the League Cup would be quite a risk. So my 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 you know my money will be on that that those th- those three hearts, Starfelt Carter Vickers won't be rotated unless there's some further injury in the is next it, few weeks. Is that more down to like the chicken and egg sort of scenario? How do we find out if Liam Scales is good enough for this level if we never take the risk in playing him? For like we can we have Liam Scales there. He is a tall, strong left back who can play left centre back and left back. If we're in a league like the Scottish League, there is no better opportunity for me than playing against a team like Livingston, who aren't going to really attack you all that much to see if he's got the the head, the athleticism, the the brain to do it. Well, he's going to be put under a tremendous pressure at Livingston. He's going to be fielding high balls all day long, right? So mm-hmm. it comes down to the trust of the manager. Okay? And, that, and I, I'll use that word trust, and it's hugely important. Okay, Postacoglu, there was players on that pitch last night that could barely run by the, you know, from about 70 minutes out, Jota being the most obvious, but there were others. I mean, Rogic, Turnbull, you know. Um, and 
none of those players on the bench were used. The skills was on the bench. You know, you I, you, I, you could have made a case in theory of saying, do you know what? I'm going to take uh, I'm going to take Yota off. I'm going to put skills on. I'm going to put Juranovic on the on the right, and I'm going to put Montgomery on on left back or something like that. And he could have worked out and juggled juggled the pack a little bit, and he didn't do that. So you know, he, he, he does he trust skills to, to be thrown in away at Livingston? We're uh, in, in on a ground that Celtic, I don't believe, ever won. <laughs> you know, I think I think with Livingston changed. I think last time Celtic beat Livingston away, hadn't they changed ground or something? I might be wrong about that, but I don't. You know, I, 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 you've got to go back a long way since the last mm. time we won it with Livingston. So no, I don't think he'll change that centre back pairing. I'm not. That's no reflection on how good Scales maybe or is or isn't. I simply don't know. <laughs> what about what about Welsh James? What's what's gone wrong with? with uh welsh because i it seemed to me like he was the best center back at the start of the season well ahead of where starfelt was at and and i know we're we're giving him the opportunity to bet in but it just seems like he's fallen completely out of favor since carter vickers has come to the the club yeah i I think that goes back to um an issue of levels so um you know carter vickers pedigree um securing that loan deal Oftentimes there will be some level of agreement, whether it's in writing or not, that they're coming to play. I mean, that, you know, someone in his situation is not going to want to come to Celtic and sit on the bench, yeah. uh, given where his career is at and given that he probably had some kind of options in, in what to do and where to go. Um, Starfelt, again, we spent on what, almost 5 million on him. So there, there's a, um, whether that's right or wrong, there's going to be a degree of baggage that comes with that. You know, we see that in sports and decision makers all the time where, you know, people get vested because they made a decision and they try to ride it out. And, and to be honest, you know, to be, uh, uh, I think fair to Starfeld, I thought he was fine yesterday in yeah, the context, great. you know, he was, he was actually one of the better over, I, I bet your, uh, defensive action success rate for him was probably pretty good for you. Once you get through the whole game, Alan, it's my guess. <laughs> um, and, and some of the issues like Alan said, I mean, I think, I think most of the issues that the back line had last uh, night or yesterday were due to um, the lack of coverage or protection as Alan said, but also the fact that they haven't played together, some communication issues. Yeah. Um, the, the goal on the guy that uh, the, the, the striker that made the front post run that was kind of in between Starfeld and, and, uh, Carter Vickers, could he pass him on with better communication? Or yeah, can you, I you know, the, um, can I give you my notes on each goal, and you can tell me if I'm yeah. completely out of my mind? Because I actually took I took notes when they happened. So the first goal, Carter Vickers goes to try win the duel. He loses. He he gets there too late. The guy gets through and they score. The second goal is just a basic ball behind the defense, and then they you know he dummies heart to pass it across the goal. The third goal for me is an interesting one because I would say the majority of people have Starfelt at fault for it because he loses his man, the man gets in front of him, the ball goes across, his man scores. But for me, if you look at the frame, Tony Ralston is working back and he actually passes his man on to Ismail Asaro who goes to him. Ralston is then supposed to do the loop. He's supposed to come back and be coverage for that ball coming through. He, he basically strolls back. He doesn't make it back in time. The ball comes across before he's even near it. And the ball gets across. So I think if he's working a little bit harder, he's making that goal. And then the fourth goal, it just comes from a, a poor enough header from from Adam Montgomery. Now he was on his back foot, so I'll give him that. 
uh, he headers it back into the danger area, which it's you know it's volleyed volleyed. Um, and, that, and that was a heck of a finish. I mean, that yeah, was, it was an amazing, amazing finish. Goal. Yeah. Well, one of the, one of the re- one of the reasons. So when if you look at an XG model, um, if you, a shot from a corner has got a lower XG than a shot from the same position in open play, and the reason for it is because there's just so many damn bodies in the way. That ball went through seven players. And it was almost like a corridor opened up for that. And that Celtic can see so many goals like that in Europe, where they, where they just seem to find that one corridor and, and find its way through right into the corner. I mean, of, of all those goals, I think the, set, the third one is the one I would be most concerned about. And it's not even for the actual cross and finish, because if, if it's Ronaldo that's the striker in that scenario, everyone's going on about what brilliant movement it is to, to get into that position and the quality of the ball in. So that that piece of it, the quality of the of the of the of the the ball, which was completely under no pressure, that was the issue, and the finish are fantastic, right? But the reason for the goal is because of the lack of coverage on the on the right hand side. Rolston is stood in a little area of the pitch with acres of green space around him and no support at all. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what I don't know. I, you know, I think I think Sorrow doesn't come back quickly enough, and you know, Rogic is not covering. In, on that side of the pitch adequately either and I don't know where Jota is either so there's just complete breakdown in the structure for that third goal and I think that would be the one of the of the goals the, the, the second one the offside one we are going to concede goals like that sorry people that's going to happen it's yeah, going to happen quite a few it. times yep. get used to it it'll happen I think the first one was good play Miranda you know the ball's bobbing about yes could people have cleared it better but you know Miranda arrives at pace quick one two and he's in yeah, it's a good piece of play. And Great touch. Four, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, that, that's a dream. The four, if you if you commit yeah. your defender and you're able to get there first, you're yeah, you know, you're going to score. The fourth one is one of these horrible goals that Celtic conceded in Europe, which is you know, which is a bit a bit a bit unlucky, but also, uh, but but you know, the third one is the one that's real really highlighted the structural issues that we've been talking about for me mm. anyway. Can we, we'll move on from the defense then because I think we've we've touched on it fairly comprehensively. There are James, you look like you've yeah. I just I just because because Ross asked the question, I wanted to hi, um, just mention one more thing on scales. I, I think you know, in, in what I've looked at, and you know him better than I do, Enda, but I just I've just looked at his data history. I don't think he's played left back a lot. He's played wing back and he's played left center back. From what I've he seen. hasn't played he hasn't played left back in a back four all that much. He played a couple of games right. for the Republic of Ireland there, but nothing major. For yeah. Him. So so the idea that a guy of his size and history is going to easily shift into an inverted fullback role in Ange Postecoglou's system, I think, is absolutely crazy. Um, as far as that being likely, I mean, maybe the guy's, you know, the perfect fit. I don't know, but, and I, like Alan, I haven't seen him play, but the, uh, you know, he's played wing back and he's played <laughs> left center back in a three. I, I don't see how that's even close to being an inverted fullback in, in the current system that we're playing. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I, I would think he's probably depth at the center back position. And this is part of my question is, I mean, he, from what I've seen, it looks like he profiles like a left center back in a back three, which we don't play. So back to the transfer window and, you know, Thurman Desmond owns that club and you know, who knows why he got signed. <laughs> but, yeah. 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 There's an, I'd, I'd like to see him get his opportunity in a cup game or something just to see yeah, what he's like. Yeah, for sure. He, for sure. I, absolutely. I mean, I, you know, again, hopefully he turns good and I, you know, having a talented, was he 23 year old left footed left center back would be great. Um, you know, that's what we were kind of hoping Yelda would become. Um, 
So he, he left and uh, maybe Scales can fill that role. I, I just, my comment is more specifically about the left back role. Yeah. 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 In this, I just, I, I see that as being the least likely scenario for, and that seems to be the one that a lot of people are talking about. No, I, um, I think if he's, if he's coming in, it's going to be at left center back. I can't see it being. Yeah in a back four as left back. It, uh, no, he, he, he may well slot in. I, I think he has the attributes to, to do it and he has the brains to do it. He's shown that he's adaptable and he's strong and big and fast and athletic and he's good on the ball as well. So like he could well sw- slot in as the left back, no problem, but I just haven't seen him, seen him do it for the club, but um, it, it's an interesting one. I, I really hope to, uh, to see Liam skills play in the starting team at some point this year. One comment coming in from uh, Adam Beanie Smith, who's asked me this question a couple of times. And have you ever been to Celtic Park as a paying supporter, or do you only like talking about Celtic to get paid? Well, I have news for you, Adam. I have actually been to Celtic Park uh, a couple of times, uh, especially especially growing up. But the, the main point I would want to make is that I absolutely do not get paid for doing this. Like, if, <laughs> if, you, if you want to pay me to to talk about Celtic, then you know, like my 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 DMs are open on Twitter, but I don't get paid to do this. So. I mean, I hope that answers your question. Let's move on from the defense. Um, I want to talk about something that has come up. You, James, you've brought it up a couple of times and somebody asked it on Twitter as well. Is David Turnbull good enough for this level? Is because I've I've no doubt about it, how good technically this player is, how, especially with set pieces, passes, you know, sheer ability on the ball. But is, is he going to come up short in Europe because of his physical attributes, because he's just simply not quick enough. That's a good question. I haven't thought about it in those, that kind of binary term. Um, I'll put it this way. I, I don't think he's likely to reach that kind of sustainable level playing in this system with the people around him. Meaning that I, I think he, he may have enough quality that if he was kind of optimized in a system that suited his strengths and kind of supported his weaknesses, um, then, you know, I, I think he very likely had, because that, that that was Alan and I have talked about repeatedly that his skill level on the ball. And I, and I did a piece this past week on looking at his shot um, history using uh, stats bomb data. And, and I, I think there's a really good case to be argued that he does have, you know, kind of, you know, what I say, like an NBA three-point shooting skill. Like there's some guys that are good from 25 feet. I think, I think he legit has a shooting skill potentially from outside the box. Um, and and we've seen some of the set piece deliveries and, you know, we saw that again with the one that uh, uh, Ralston scored on. So I think there's a lot of value there. I think it's a question of system and how he's going to be protected and the things that he just may not ever be that good at. And, whether or not that's in Ange's system with the people around him, I am skeptical. I, I, I think it's going to be rough. Um, and it certainly not, doesn't help when you have, you know, him and Rogic paired together. Um, you know, that's almost like a worst case scenario in, in them both. I mean, I put it in my thread. I, th- I think they were uh, something like six for 22 in duels in, in the attacking half um, yesterday. So that that's just, that's not good enough. You know, physically, that's just not good enough. Um, if you're going to be attacking in that far forward, you know, the, that that press, the lack of the teeth in the press, that the risk reward of doing that is significant. And, you know, um, 
that's an issue. So yeah, I, I, I love watching him. I, I think he's just terrific. I mean, some of the balls and the deliveries he makes that pass the Jota. I mean, it's, that's the romantic part of it. That's the, the, the great fun and seeing that kind of skill, same with Rogic, but then when you get back into the practical part of parts of it, it's, you know, that's the hard part. Alan, so do you want to hop in? On? Yeah. Yeah. So just on Turnbull. So, you know, somebody asked a question earlier about which player would you clone, and so I'm going to once again really annoy a lot of people and say I would have, you know, I would have cloned Ryan Christie and I'd have had a right-footed Christie and a left-footed Christie because if you want the profile when we talk about a number eight of the sort of player we need to have in those positions that Rogic and Turnbull playing, it's Ryan Christie. And if you compare him just to Turnbull this season, you know, you've got a player there who's got a higher xG, so Christie's is more of a goal threat overall than Turnbull. They're roughly equivalent unexpected assists in terms of, you know, from open play I'm talking about. Turnbull has got very high-end skills in creating chances from set pieces. And as I mentioned, the you know, defensive action success, you know, Turnbull's like 30%, Christie's like over 40%. So if you want a profile of a number eight, you know, you know Christie is probably more of a goal threat, as equally as is creative, and does a lot, ton of work more defensively than Turnbull. That's that's the sort of play you need in that position. So that's 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 you know singing Christie's praises. I'm not trying to sort of damn Turnbull. I just don't think he's built for that role. Yeah, I think it comes down to the system more than anything. Yeah, you're, yeah. you're not necessarily saying Turnbull yeah. is is or yeah, Christie's yeah. better than Turnbull. It's just for this system, it is. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And and, and as James said, Rogic is even more extreme with that profile. You know, Rogic is more creative than Turnbull, and probably a little bit more of a goal threat actually. But his, his defensive contributions just is more of a striker than what do you expect from a, from a Lee Griffiths than you would a <laughs> Ryan Christie. Uh, so, so that's the issue, right? That's, and that's the benefit of benchmarking and profiling players in that way is it, you know, you, you can, you can have that conversation as it doesn't detract from the beauty of the, the pass that he put through to Yotta where he took out seven players, you know, for, to send Yotta through to try and score the third. It doesn't detract from that. doesn't detract from his wonderful shooting. It's just, if you were going to play a system with a 10, then or someone just tucked in behind a striker, yeah, I think you do. I think you would do a good job there. Yeah, yeah. The, you can't take away the artistry of football because I mean, the, you get to the stage where yeah, sure, you can have loads of athletic, quick, fast, strong players, but if you have nobody that can do like Tom Rogic did in the Scottish Cup final a few years back, then what's the point? You know, that, that's <laughs> the whole. It's the whole point of enjoying football. Let's move on to the Livingston game then this Sunday, real quick. What what changes? Does anything change going into this game? Is it the same starting lineup? Is it um, the same dangerous uh, midfield? What 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 do you think's happening here? Because for me, I would say based on last year's experience of playing Livingston, which was fucking miserable, um, Celtic have the pace and the dominance to tear them to shreds. But I think Livingston throw up a lot of chaos, and Celtic don't really deal well with chaos in the defense. Yeah, it really is a different animal playing them there. Um, I mean, it, it, it just, even more so than um, going to Komarnik was when they were in the league or Hamilton. Um, and at, L- Livingston was one of the first, to my knowledge, one of the first uh, SPFL clubs to embrace analytics a little more. Um, they actually had a guy working there who's now at Man City. Uh, so, you know, they, they've put some thought into their recruitment given what is a very limited resource team. I mean, they're, I think they're the lowest wage 
Bill in, in the league. Um, so they've made, they've actually accomplished a lot with what limited resources they've had. And part of that is they've optimized their recruitment based off of that home pitch. And they are really tough in that environment, um, as, as a result. And it is such a special situation, the game conditions there, and they, they play in a way leveraging, you know, it's just, I talk about the optimization, you know, so they recruit within a system and the system's designed to optimize the conditions of them at home. And that results in them getting absolutely torn to shreds away to Celtic, but they don't care because that's not what they're optimizing for. They were never probably going to beat Celtic reliably at Celtic Park anyway. So whether they lose 6-0 or, or you know, 3-1 is, is almost irrelevant relative to, you know, do they beat Ross County at home? Do they beat, um, you know, Dundee at home? Uh, so I, I suspect we'll see Abada come back in. I suspect, uh, you know, those were tough conditions to throw Montgomery into. Um, and I think he did okay, but he was not, you know, a huge factor in the game. So I suspect yeah. Joto had back to the left. Um, and then we'll see if McCarthy's up for starting, whether McGregor's back being fit. Um, but they're going to lob a lot of balls and they're going to, like you said, Enda, they're going to look for winning second balls and you know they they gave Aberdeen a real tough time um, at at home, and uh, you know so I, it's one of those games where you just kind of hope some of the chaos breaks in our favor, um, and that we don't get you know like a red card or something because that that's what happens when you start introducing chaos. And and I think I, Alan, you may know better, man. I think their pitch is a little smaller too. That's part of the optimization here. It's I don't a little th- bit smaller. Yeah, yeah. I was, so, I was actually going to say my local team in the League of Ireland are the Livingston of the League of Ireland, and they were playing yeah. the two top teams in the last two weeks. And the pitch was about three to four yards more narrow as the week went on. You know, that's that's just the it's what they do, and you know, fair play to them. That's what they need to do to beat these teams. So, I mean, if you can do it, why not? Yeah, and it's you know we talked about uh, Skyball with, with Barnsley, um, what they did in the championship last year, and I, I think to a you know, a, a lesser degree, that's kind of what Livingston's doing. I mean, they're, they're just going to lump it up and, and create chaos, like you said, and, uh, and, um, you know, we're, there's questions about how well equipped we are, um, to handle that. And, you know, given the fact that we only had made one sub on Thursday and the conditions and the amount of energy that was expended, you know, is Ralston going to be fully, recharged and i mean some of those guys really put shifts in um so you know it's, it's it's a huge game i mean this is a massive game and uh we should by all rights it should be one of these games where we are reasonably comfortable but we never are going there so and i think there's a lot of legitimate reasons um you know we've been a lot more comfortable at hamilton than we've been at livingston and i think that's because livingston's just better run yeah. Any changes you'd make, Alan, going into this? I, I, I don't know. <laughs> With who? <laughs> no, seriously, there's nothing, there's nothing you can do, right? It's literally going to be a case of who's fit enough to play. We've got no, there's nobody. There's nobody else. If if there were, they would have been on the bench on uh, on, on Thursday. I mean, just to add a bit of context, additional colour, I suppose, to what James has said. So, listen, they haven't won a game this season, right? But they got the first point in the last SPFL game. 
um, in their three away games, they haven't even scored a goal. <laughs> and, and actually, they were averaging around 50, 60 long balls in, in away games. And I put it, we thought that Betis played a lot of long balls last night. I think they played something like 50-something. You know, at home, Livingston averaged around 80 to 90 long balls. I love that so much. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is how mental it's going to be. That's beautiful. Right? 80 but off of that, against Aberdeen, they managed to get 12 shots away. And against Motherwell, they got 13 shots away off off of that off of that long ball game at home and you know they lost both games 2-1 um they kind of they actually battered Aberdeen and 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 conceded quite a lot of xg I think over 2 to Motherwell so uh, they had mixed results there but yeah it's going to be it's going to be chaos but yeah mm. in terms of changes well, well, who <laughs> there's nobody I don't know. I don't want to suggest scales again, but I, I don't want to. <laughs> go to so a factory with scales. Why would, why would you throw a kid like? Why would you throw the kid? I, mean, I, know he's, I know he's not a kid, but you know he's never played yeah, at this level. Yeah. Why would you throw him in it, away at Livingston to head away ninety eyeballs? That's, you just wouldn't do point. that to anybody. It's a fair yeah. point. What, what, the bookies are going to set an over under on concussions with that many highballs for a game. I mean, it's crazy. Before yeah. before we uh, finish up on our preview. This is, an, I'd say, an interesting point from Ronnie McAlpin coming in on uh, YouTube. Plastic pitches, it's always brought up. It's always a thing. I, I don't really want to get into the whole idea of a plastic pitch and whether they should or should not be allowed. Does orange ball work on a plastic pitch? Like, can, can Celtic realistically play the fast-paced football if it's bobbling around like it, it usually does? Well, I, I, I'll go first. I mean, first of all, the whole concept of plastic pitch is I think too binary because, you know, in the last 30 years, the, the technology and the, the quality of them has evolved massively. So um, there are a lot of pretty decent plastic pitches out there. Um, they just aren't at Livingston. <laughs> um, so whether, whether it translate to, you know, what, what in a grass pitch might be uh, analogous as a cow pasture, um, I don't know. We'll see. It's harder. I, you know, how dry is it going to be? Are they going to water it? Probably not. You know, so is it going to be bouncing around? And so this, again, this is where they're engineered for chaos. Um, you know, I, I suspect it's going to be a challenge and, and, um, you know, why would you optimize for this one, maybe two games a year? You wouldn't, I mean, that doesn't make any sense. You know that that gets us back to we need to recruit Duffy against you know Dykes. He played Dykes, yeah. right? Which was insane. Yeah. Um, so you know you just got to do your best and hope that you catch some breaks and win the game. I mean that that's it's just that that's their competitive advantage and they're smart to to leverage it because what you know who's gonna try and maximize at you know, at the macaroni, that's not, yeah. that's not reasonable. It's, it's the best, it's the best stadium with the worst football, but the best football at the same time. And the best by far and away, the, uh, the best mascot going, you know, <laughs> it's absolutely <laughs> phenomenal stuff. But sh- shout out to Shane Duffy though. I, you know, there was a lot of discussions of Shane Duffy's performances last year on the show, but a couple of man of the match performances for Brighton in the Premier League. He was playing in a back three for the Republic of Ireland against Portugal and against Serbia, he had the most successful passes, the most passes and the most successful pass rate. He had a 96% passing accuracy rate for Ireland against Serbia, playing as a back three. And I, it's just, it is nice to see 
him uh, back to the player he is. And it's, you know, it'll probably come out in his book or whatever in a podcast of the next couple of years, what went wrong. But when you hear more and more stories about what was going on last season with the manager, it's not exactly massively surprising that there's loads of players playing better than they were last year. Scott Brown said last, did you see the Scott Brown stuff before we finish up? Um, he basically said, and I'm only uh, remembering it bits and pieces, but he basically said that Neil Lennon turned up, said team, same team, same subs, didn't tell them about shape, didn't tell them, didn't work on set pieces, and it was basically just go out and try win the game. That's That's what Celtic was last year. So it's it's hardly surprising that we ended up with what we ended up. Yeah, we're, we're, in a very, we're, in, we're in a very different place. Yes. I don't, don't going to get into salacious gossip. I mean, um, you know, Rogers did a nice job with Boyata simplifying his game. Just you're making, and, and that's what I said to you a couple of weeks ago about Starfelt and Postacoglu. I think Postacoglu has had more or less the same conversation with Starfelt about just simple, just keep your game as simple as you possibly can. Get it, give it. Don't try and overplay it. Uh, but actually, I think in the last two games he's he's moved on and he's uh, actually starting to move. He's starting to run with the ball. He's progressing with the ball uh, at feet, which is quite even. Even last night he did it three or four times. Incredible. And it so, wasn't calamitous either. It, it wasn't. So uh, yep. you know you can't. It's, it is you know confidence. I was doing this belief. every time he did it. I was like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> he's, these, these are all parts of it. He's going to get a hell of a um, you know examination against Livingston uh, on the press. On, on, I did write an article years ago now on plastic pitches. I, I did a comparison of results against the similar teams because it makes basically teams that have plastic pitches tend to be quite low lower level ranked teams right um and and, and, and long story short I, I couldn't find any difference in celtics results between playing in plastic and not in in one sense i know there's and, and there is a huge disparity in the quality of 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 the, of the actual pitches but they should be a pretty uniform surface the the, the ball doesn't bounce predict the ball doesn't the ball doesn't bounce in a way that you'd expect but it shouldn't be bowling about all over the place because it's 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 a, it's a completely even sort of surface. The problem is, is and, and what will happen on on Sunday is that Livingston won't water it, so it'll be it'll be sticky, which means well, you know, that it it'll be it'll just be unusual. But every every club has a an all weather pitch for training on, so mm. again, there's no real excuses as such. All the players have played on these pitches before. You just got to believe that your football uh, and your better players are going to win the game, and that's yeah. that's the way you got to approach it. I just think they're bad for your joints. Like, if you ever played on one, that's horrendous afterwards for the next forty-eight hours. Ronnie McAlpin's in touch. He said, "Enda, that's not correct." Brown was referring to when he first started playing football twenty years ago. As I said, I I just glanced at this. I wasn't. I didn't know if I I saw it on Twitter, so I presumed. It was about Neil Lennon. And there he gets what you get for gossiping, Andrew. That's what you get for gossiping. This is this is, think, is not the huddle breakdown, you know. People, this is not what we do. <laughs> people don't come here for facts. People come here for salacious rumors. That's what we're all about. Oh, there you go. We're all, we're all about the salaciousness on this show. Uh, anyway, I guess before we finish up, anything else we want to talk about before uh, we wrap this show up for the week? No, I'm good. Yeah, no, I'm all right. I can't wait for Wraith Rovers game. It might be a game with less stress. <laughs> that's probably that's probably nonsense as well (laughs) well we shall hope and see what happens against livingston this weekend hopefully there's a a good performance and a good win to talk about next week but if there's not we will talk about it regardless this is the huddle breakdown we are uh, the podcast to look at the performance and the xg and everything else going along with celtic if you're listening for the first time you can subscribe to the podcast channel in Spotify, on iTunes, wherever you get your podcasts. And we're on YouTube as well. Uh, the Breakdown Inc. is the name of the YouTube channel. 
James, Alan, thanks very much for joining us this evening. Thanks, guys. Yeah, thanks, All right. guys. All right, thanks week. for watching. We shall chat to you next week. Good luck.